Knoxville Game Design September 2017 Inkscape and Spider with Dylan Wolf, Levi D. Smith, Amos Gardner, and Ruth Ann Manning. Welcome everyone to the September 2017 meeting of Knoxville Game Design. We are developers in the Knoxville and East Tennessee area who develop games for profit and also develop games for fun. Uh, this month we have four people currently joining, uh, joining us. Uh, first of all, we have currently in Charlotte, North Carolina, our favorite processing game developer, Ruth Ann Manning. Next up, we have in Lenore City, he's developer of games such as Shifty Shapes and One Card Hero, Dylan Wolf. Hi. And we have a new member joining us this month. Uh, met him through the Knox Devs Slack group. Uh, this is Amos Gardner. Hello. So, Amos, are you in Knoxville or one of the surrounding areas? Yep, um, I'm a software developer over at Radio Systems um, off Level Road in Knoxville, and I do game development on the side. Awesome. Thanks for joining us this month. Yeah, no problem. I'm really happy to be here. I had no idea we had this until a friend recommended it to me. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, we do it once a month, uh, second Sunday of every month uh, online. We do occasionally have uh, get-togethers, typically before like major game jams uh the one that we usually participate in is called ludum dare so we usually mm -hmm. have a get together before that for like a little kickoff meeting that's really awesome um do you guys do the ludum dare as a group or individuals uh we usually do it as individuals okay uh, usually we meet up uh, around 7 p.m before the kickoff and we talk about the theme that's selected and uh, then we go back and do our own thing. And uh, then usually the game, we submit those on Sunday night. Uh, there's two different versions. There's a 48-hour version and a 72-hour version. So we either submit our games on Sunday night or Monday night, depending on which one uh, we're doing. And then on the next month's podcast, on the next meeting, we usually show off the games that we develop for Ludum Dare. Gotcha. Thanks much. Yeah, no problem. Okay, so it's been kind of slow the last month. It'll probably be kind of slow the next few months since uh, the next Ludum Dari isn't until December, early December. We have a GM48 coming up in October. Uh, unfortunately, Joe Miller, one of our regulars on the, the podcast in this meeting, he's not with us today uh no he was done in florida recently i think he's just coming back from florida so um uh he may may or may not pop in uh, he may ha have a lot going on right now but i'm sure he'll be back with us in in the upcoming months okay uh i guess we'll start off with a little bit of show and tell um uh, dylan did you want to show off some of the stuff that you've been working on with the rts system uh, yeah, I think I talked about this last month, and honestly, I've not touched this in weeks. This was just something I was kind of messing around with. Um, but I kind of built, like, the basics of a... And, oh, I need to share my screen. Uh, 
Yeah, I noticed you've been doing some more uh, streaming online, game development streaming. A little bit. I haven't done a ton. Yeah, I think I popped in one time and you're working on some multiple touch interface things. Yeah, and that was kind of like... Like this is just kind of like a prototype of how something like that would work. I'm using a nav mesh, um, but I'm kind of building this from the perspective of if you wanted to put this on a mobile device, how would you build the interface? And so, um, <clears throat> you know, if you if you touch or click on a unit, for example, you want it to be selected. But if I touch and drag, you know, I want to move the camera around. And if I just touch and click, I want to move a unit to that location with a nav mesh. Um, so kind of different than the way I would normally do stuff, which is maybe to kind of distribute some of the, the logic. Um, the first thing I did is I, I, I kind of pulled some of the code from somewhere else. I can't remember where it was, um, but came up with this touch input class that is essentially used to group, uh, to make mouse act like your input touch so that you can kind of, to, to a certain degree, interchange them and use them in the same code. Um, so basically, if I get a screen touch, I'm just like putting that into my own object and sending it. Um, and if I'm looking for a mouse touch with a particular button, I can just say, you know, okay, grab the last um, mouse, in, uh, grab the current frame's mouse input, compare it to the last mouse input, and then figure out which phase of, of the touch we would be in. Um, so I can come up here and just like get screen or mouse touch. So then, you know, and I'm, I'm collecting information like, you know, the phase, which would be beginning, move, dragged, canceled, um, the position of the cursor. And I think this is in pixels, maybe. I can't actually remember. Yeah, it would be in pixels because that's what mouse and touch position both um, give you. So then you got to uh, do the... The, the translation from screen coordinates where the user's clicked into world coordinates to what has actually been clicked on. Right? Yeah. Yeah. But this code is like just the low level. I'm just making mouse work like touch and you know, I'm collecting like what's changed since the last click or touch. And then I'm kind of trying to convert this into like a viewport number, even though I don't think this works. Cause I think screen is full screen, not window size. So anyway, I take that touch input, and that's just a, a component I can add. Um, to, of course, I'm going to have a hard time finding this. Um, <clears throat> you know, I can say, you know, I want to check two mouse buttons. I want to check two multi-touch. You know. Mm -hmm. um, so then I've got this player control. Uh, element that, you know, I'm setting like the drag threshold, which is basically how much um, uh, the mouse cursor has to move to be counted as a drag versus just like a click, you know, where you want uh, to move a unit. Um, and then I've got like a rigid body and, you know, that I'm applying um, force to. 
here. Um, but essentially what I'm doing is I'm, I'm, I've got one script that processes that input and then does different things depending on, you know, uh, what the state is. So for example, if, you know, if I'm not paused <clears throat> and I've, and essentially what player control is doing is it's reading in the input and then clearing it on, you know, like at the end of the frame. So you know, I always just have that in a property here. So if I if if I actually have input from the user, I'm going to see what phase that it occurred in. If uh, the touch began, um, so if a person puts their finger down, if they put their finger down on top of a unit, then I'm going to see if that unit was over a um, a selectable object, and then you know send a message to that uh, selectable object to select it or attack or, you know, whatever I, I want to do. Like this, you know, as I built in features, this would expand out. So can you only like control one unit as a, at a time? Yes. Well, the idea is that, um, at least with this prototype, the idea is I could send one unit off somewhere and then be doing something else. Oh, okay. So I don't really have a way to do multi-selection. Yeah, I know like with the box selection, if you select multiple units, then you click somewhere, then you, you'll have like multiple units, like all converge on the same point. So there's like also yeah. additional pr complexities when you get into that. But I can see this being used like as a Mo MOBA style game, uh, like League of Legends, where you're yeah. just controlling one hero. Yeah, or, or even just like a a small group of units. Um, but, but you could build something in here if you wanted to say, you know, uh, let's say someone did like a long tap on a, um, on a unit. You could say, well, okay, I'm going to start the selection process here. And then later on, I'll, I'll test and see if the, the touch was still down and if it was down long enough to, to select. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, that's an interesting way to handle it because with the touch interface, you kind of lose some of the you lose the ability to right click, and I know right click is very important. Like in yeah. RTS games, if you right click on a unit, then that means attack. But if you just left click it, then it means uh, just select or view info. But yeah, I never thought about doing a long touch. That's an interesting. Yeah. I, I don't know what the best way to do that is, and and. You know, I would keep it simple just because, like, okay, if, if I was going to do just a mobile-only game, then that may be too complicated. But but the point is, like, it kind of fits into this workflow of, okay, a player is interacting with, a, a, uh, with the screen. Based on the context of that interaction, I, I might change. So, like, the next frame in... Um, you know, if we have a move event, then I'm testing to see if it actually counts as a drag. Um, if it counts as a drag, then I'm going to flag it and say, yes, the user was dragging this around, which means I don't want to, I don't want to move a unit later. Mm -hmm. Um, and also I'm going to apply, um, some force to the camera. So basically, I can keep moving, keep my finger down, keep moving, and scroll around the screen, even if it's not just, like, one long move. Um, I can't remember. I think there's a touch phase. 
yeah, there's a stationary touch phase that uh, you could use if you wanted to say, you know, do a long touch or, um, you know, you could probably even do something if you wanted to do like a double touch. Um, and then, but so when the user picks the finger up uh, off the screen, then we would say, okay, um, if we didn't drag and we didn't select, you know, and we're not, I've got some other qualifiers here, like, you know, if we hit a another unit, or no, actually, I think that's, yeah, that's the interaction with the ground. Okay. Um, then we'll move the player to that location. Um, otherwise, if the player was dragging around, then just move the camera there. So, you know, you're kind of, instead of having, you know, like you might do with a controller of having, like, you know, I have something that uses the A button in this script. I have something that uses the D-pad in this script. Um, I've just got kind of one long flow, and the player branches out uh, depending on what they do. So, so did you say you had a rigid body on your camera, and you're moving it around that way? Yes. I've never tried that before. That's, that's pretty interesting, because I always just, like, get the position of the player or whatever, get the transform on the player, then just, like, lock the camera. But it seems like if you do a rigid body, then you could, like, do some pretty interesting things with that, make it more realistic. Yeah, I think the reason I did that was just so that you'd kind of have that speed up and slow down oh, feel. Oh, yeah. Like, as opposed to um, just, like, a flat, you know... Um, a static, statically following camera. Yeah, just kind of linear speed. Like it's falling exactly where I'm going. Now it's it kind of feels like, you know, something's happening. That is very cool. I'm gonna have to try that on my next game. Yeah, I will probably put up a blog post at some point about this. I don't know. Again, like I haven't touched this in weeks, so I've kind of forgotten about it. I'm like, oh yeah, I did talk about that. <laughs> yeah. Last yeah, if month. you write something up, let us know, and we can post it up through the website. I'd definitely like to take a look at it. Okay. And I'm going to jump back off. Oh, okay, very cool. I'm going to jump over to Amos here. Amos, uh, did you have something you wanted to show off this month? Yeah, I did. Um, so last weekend, um, I, I kind of got inspired by the whole like game jam Ludum Dari idea, um, but I didn't get to participate uh, in this latest Ludum Dari. And I was like, you know, like what can I build in a weekend just for funsies? Because it's Memorial Day weekend. I didn't have anything to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it sounded like a great idea. Um, so I, I just kind of started messing around with like the steam um, of like this top down wave uh, shooter, mm-hmm. and it just kept growing and. I wanted to show off kind of like the the fundamentals of how it looked, um, but I've never like demonstrated this to, to anyone before, especially like online. Oh, so I'm not cool. sure if it's if it's going to translate well. Yeah, um, we're we're seeing it right now. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, I was going to let you know uh, we do have like a audio podcast that we put on iTunes, and then we also have the video that we post up on YouTube. So if okay. somebody's listening and they want to see actually what we're showing, they can always jump and get the YouTube version. But yeah, yeah, we see it great here. Awesome. So you've got you like your waves coming in, and all of these art assets uh, minus the font uh, were done by me. Um, and the most difficult part was just getting this particle effect with the bullet casings. Mm-hmm. Um, 
But yeah, you just kind of like let these enemies come through, and if they break down your wall, uh, you die a horrible death uh, by pumpkins. Um, so I'll just kind of let that happen to demonstrate what it looks like. Okay. Um, so I see you're earning money as you're shooting these enemies here. Do you, yep. And can you like buy new weapons, or do you get weapon upgrades? So that's the uh, the idea. Um, Basically, what, what I want it to be is you have like 14 or 13 different levels, um, and level 6 would be like a sub-boss, and level 13 would be the final boss. Um, and then as you end a level, uh, you take what money you earned for that level, and you go and you buy upgrades for your base or upgrades for your gun um, and ammo. Uh, eventually, I want to have it to where you can buy like magazines, and if you run out of uh, these ammo clips, then you die. Mm-hmm. Um, making it an interesting um, kind of mechanic. This is what I have roughly right now for the store layout. Mm-hmm. Um, and I discovered... Hang on. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I actually discovered this horizontal and vertical layout groups. I had no idea that this existed in Unity, and this has made like my life so much better. Yeah, for I've never heard out. of that either. How do you use it, those? So you have, uh, like, this is my uh, main canvas uh, element, and I attach a horizontal layout group to it, um, and whatever. So the idea was you were going to have a comms panel, mm-hmm. um, and it looks hideous right now, but you would have a comms panel on your left and the store panel on your right, kind of like Metal Gear Solid style. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but then I did away with that, and as you could see, it dynamically grew the store panel out. Um, so then the store panel has, uh see, below it, so it has a tabs panel, inventory, and checkout. Tabs has a horizontal layout. Inventory's got a vertical layout, which is like horizontal but vertically. Um, and I did that so I could spawn in like multiple items, and it would stack up really well like that. That is really cool. I never knew that existed in Unity either. It reminds me a lot of the layouts in Java that mm-hmm. they have. Uh, but yeah, I'm definitely going to have to use this next time. I'm assuming this scales with the, the screen size. It, it does. I have my store UI um, attached to the uh, camera as an um, as the screen space and then scale with screen size set to 800 by 600. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I always try to die, uh, develop on a 16 by 9 ratio. Um, but like if even if I go into free aspect, it looks well. It mm-hmm. looks pretty good. Um so that's what I've got going on for the the store, and then I've got a main men- menu built in, um, just some simple stuff. One interesting thing that I, I'd never done before is since um, after I finished like my game uh, game dev weekend, I wanted to continue this, and I was like, well, what's an easy way for me to throw up like version number down here, studio over here, and so then I came up with this uh, game info json file, um, which I'll pull up over here. Okay. Give a Visual Studio a second to pop up. Go away. Um, so you've got like your title, so I can easily change that without having to do a complete rebuild. Um, which is really awesome for like changing the version number on the fly, which I always forget to do after I hit build. Um, and then my studio, and then whatever bugs I currently happen to be running into. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm using TextMesh Pro for my button labels and i've noticed that sometimes there's a, a bug where the the label expands over the button and it makes the button unclickable now it's text mesh pro is that built into unity now or i think unity took over that project it did uh it's now a free asset you can get by the store oh okay 
yeah, which is, is amazing. Yeah, I haven't really played with it yet, but it looks very cool. Um, yeah, so um, how, how are you reading in that JSON file again? Oh, yeah, um, I'd be happy to show you. So let's see. Um, got a main menu controller script. Mm-hmm. And bring that up here. Um, so I've got a class, uh, got a class called Game Data, and it's just got title, version, author, and then the static function uh, called Create from JSON. Okay. And it uses Unity's JSON utility, um, and then it I pass in a JSON string. Now here's something really interesting that I discovered. Um, Unity has a really hard time with your operating system's uh, structure. So I was doing application.datapath, and it just couldn't find the game file. And it really frustrated me because that had worked in the past, not now. So then I discovered that they have a streaming assets um, static call, uh, static attribute. And if you put a... Uh, if you put a streaming or sorry streaming assets directory in your Unity uh, assets directory, then anything you put in there can be found um, dynamically. So like that solved uh, that issue for me and allowed me to set up a game info.json setting and a game settings.json file, um, which I haven't integ- I haven't built that in yet, but it's basically going to be how I control like audio if it's muted or uh, difficulty levels. Um, that kind of stuff. Oh, okay. And it, yeah, yeah, I've ran into that before trying to access files on the local system, like text files and things like that. And like I, I did the same thing as you, like using the assets folder and all that. And mm-hmm. it would always be different whether I'm building a Mac build or a Windows build and then want to rebuild my game, then it gets clobbered and everything. Uh, what I sometimes do is you can create a resources folder and then you can create text assets in there and assign your text file. So I'm not sure if it would work there. But I've definitely heard of this streaming assets folders too. It sounds like that's a good way to solve that. Okay. Um, and then one of the things I'm really proud of is uh, see. Let's go into my weapons class. Um, let's uh, go check out scenes. Sorry, the the it's a little bit of a mess in here. Oh, you're fine. Uh, demo level. There we go. Don't save. Um. So right now the player has uh, let me get my video back up. There we go. So the player's got a weapon UI which keeps track of your ammo count and it's got a weapon attached to it. Um, and weapon has like the weapon name, ammo name, uh, or ammo count um, that slash divider in there. But if we go on play, two seconds. There we go. Um, I get this weapon that gets uh, generated in here. Okay. And this uh, inspector here is actually a custom inspector that I wrote um, for this particular class that has allowed me to gener- to change things on the fly. Mm-hmm. So, like, if uh, I really just want to max out my pistol's damage, throw it over here, and then it's a it automatically becomes an insta kill. And I don't have to go in there and change numbers. It's just a slider now. That is very cool. Yeah, I've never written a custom inspector before, but that's pretty cool where you can like define your own and like have your own slide bars and everything. Now, mm-hmm. I'm assuming when you're in play mode and you make your changes, then you have to like copy those properties, then once you exit play mode, then paste those back in, right? Yeah, I actually found you can hit copy component and mm-hmm. then exit play mode 
and then go back to I have it saved as a prefab, but press that gear icon and hit paste component and it pastes the changes in. Yeah, exactly. So you don't have to remember them. Um, and I was also really proud that I have everything like as a, so one interesting thing I've never done before with my games is I built these feature scenes. So this scene in particular just focuses on like the, the spawning and how weapon enemies interact with the base. It doesn't worry about anything else. And like, this is what I'm working on for the cinematic. So like how I display text to the user and stuff. Um, so I can keep all the clutter away from like my demo level where I combined everything together and made an actual playable level. Oh, uh, so you're combining multiple multiple scenes together? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've never tried that before. I know they added that like in Unity Five, and I just haven't touched it yet. But it does look very powerful, and like you're saying, makes things a lot cleaner. Yeah, it's really crazy. Um, like the speed of which I was able to get this thing. Um, most of what you're seeing here was done within two days. Um, the the a little bit of art assets I touched up on Monday and stuff like that but most of this core uh, functionality came in two days very cool sounds like you'll be ready for the next ludum dare in December. i hope so <laughs> I'm, I'm excited for it i've never done one before so yeah, they're pretty fun we've been doing them since uh around 2013 and uh me dylan joe miller and one of our former members michael neal we've been doing them for mm. quite a while and yeah we just do them for fun there isn't any prizes but it is cool to submit your game out there and get other people's inputs and things like that so do you have like an itch.io page where you post your games i actually do um i was going to share that here in just a little bit i also have my own personal website um that i yeah. can share in the um so that, that's my personal website with the game store or the the game uh to it and let's go to board yeah we do have like a directory on the nox game design.org website where we mm -hmm. have a list of like all of our websites and twitters and itchios and things like that uh which i have to manually keep it updated so that's uh a gamer studios yep yeah we'll and it's the the same tagline for the itch uh page um and i just threw this one up here like maybe 30 45 minutes ago because or else i should do that to make it easier to download so you guys can play the demo yeah having it up on itch makes it a lot easier yeah very it does cool. we'll definitely post Thanks. a link to the website to your game and your itch site and everything awesome i appreciate it very cool Yep. All right. That about wraps up what I had to show. Cool. Hey, Ruth Ann, are you still there? See the... okay. Can you oh. see me now? Yeah, I hear you now. Good. Okay. <laughs> Did you have anything you wanted to show off or talk about this month or anything? No. Oh, I've okay. been in grandma mode for five different months this year. Yeah. So are the grandkids doing okay? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Well, appreciate you joining us. Uh, okay, so I've been doing a little bit recently with the uh, Microsoft Store, got my Kitty's Adventure game on the Xbox One, which was kind of a headache getting that working. Um, I don't know if I introduced myself, but I am Levi Smith. I'm in Oak Ridge, Tennessee. Um, so I developed this game about a year ago called Kitty's Adventure. Uh, basic little maze game where you try to collect the letters to spell kitty and um, 
and then you can use the letters to earn coins to uh, buy different skins basically different types of cats uh, which I had like an image I guess I'll just bring up uh, the Windows developer site here I didn't have this prepared but uh, recently they opened up let me go to screen sharing here share screen that's good okay Xbox Live. So they recently opened up uh, the Xbox Live Creators Program on Xbox One. So this is a little bit different than ID at Xbox, where ID at Xbox was like a curated program. You had to like sign an NDA and then uh, you submitted your game concept to Microsoft and they'd look it over and uh, they'd either give you a thumbs up or thumbs down. But it's kind of hard for just like uh, hobbyists and people that aren't doing this for their full-time jobs to get in well everyone was pretty much accepted into ID at Xbox but to actually get a game accepted into the program uh, is kind of hard for non-full-time developers so they started this Xbox Live Creators program it's a lot like the uh, Xbox Live indie games that a lot of us participated in uh, back around 2009, 2010. Actually, I guess I didn't have my first game on there until 2012, but uh, it was around that time period. <clears throat> so this is like a non-curated program. You pay your 25 bucks to join the Windows developer site, and um, <clears throat> you can post any games any number of games to the xbox one consoles there are a few requirements um you have to use the microsoft like libraries and there's tutorials out there on how to do that how to integrate the xbox live services into your game but uh, yeah i created this new kitty's adventure for xbox one it's already got over like 5,000 downloads now this is a free game uh, you can put paid games or free game free games. You can also do like the in-app purchases and things like that. Uh, but yeah, it's kind of like off in its own little area, kind of like Xbox Live Indie Games was on the marketplace. But it's got pretty good visibility uh, on the Xbox One console. So I worked on getting that working. I did like a small little video on... Um, some of the tricks to watch out for when integrating an Xbox uh, Live game. Uh, of course, it's got to be gamepad compatible and things like that. Um, so recently, they started up a new Dream Build Play 2017. This is something that we participated in. A lot of us in Knoxville Game Design participated in around 2012, 2013. And... Um, yeah, I think there's going to be prizes again. So this runs from now. I think it started a few weeks ago until uh, the end of December. So you got till the end of the calendar year to submit your game. You can either work in teams or work by yourself. Um, yeah, and then they got this diary program, de developer diary, where you can win up to five thousand United States dollars. And I guess these can either be text post or video, acceptable video diary formats, Mixer, Twitch, Vimeo, and YouTube. So I usually do live game development streaming, so I may submit 
my uh, uh, live streams. I'm not, I'm not sure if they're requiring it to be like summaries or what, or if it can be live streams. But yeah, that's going on, working on that. I also worked a little bit on uh, a game that I created for a warm-up uh, for Lunum Dari last time called um, Dual Eagles. So it was supposed to be sort of a... Oh, wow, that's uh, yes, yeah, sort of an Ikari Warriors type game for uh, NES, but I kind of like this is my 3D type remake, and it doesn't scroll, and you don't have multiple enemies. This was developed in Unity. Uh, the thing that I really want to try in this game is having the ability to have two different characters on each of your thumbsticks, and then to be able to shoot uh, with your trigger buttons. So I think that turned out pretty well. Um, but I did go back on this one and I added a cloth effect in, in Unity, uh, created like little headbands to the back of their head. So you get that kind of like the headbands are waving in the, uh, in the wind, things like that. Also, uh, implemented the little gun, which really doesn't look like a gun. It looks like a gun, but it, it really doesn't look like he's shooting yet. I just have the gun. Uh, parented to the hand bone in my uh, character right there. So it just kind of follows his hand right there. So that's what I've been working on. So this month I was going to talk a little bit about Inkscape and um, Spryder. Uh, so I'm going to zoom in here. This is Inkscape right here. It's a free, I think it's open source tool. <clears throat> it's a nice way to be able to make graphics really quickly. Uh, Vector-based graphics. So they scale up and down really well when you're doing sprite-based games or vector-based games. So you have different objects. I usually just stay with the rectangle and the circle. And for each object, you have a stroke and a fill. So I can change the fill color for this to like red. Then I can set the stroke to say black. And you can also change the width of the uh, stroke right here in your properties over here on the right side. Then for this one, let's say, let's make this blue and stroke. Uh, you can make that green or whatever color you want to. You also have the ability to do gradients. So if I want like a, uh, let's go back to fill. You can do like a <clears throat> radial type gradient right there. You're going to have that to be multiple colors, things like that. Uh, you can also do like linear gradients. So make sure that's set on fill do a linear gradient so you can kind of control which side and which, i forgot actually how you actually move the gradient i think there's a tool over here somewhere here on the it's the it's the point editor point like editor. one under your i i don't know that that's actually what yeah. it's called but yeah the one under your mouse cursor oh okay uh, uh icon oh, okay well, I don't see it right now, uh -huh. but it, it, it's there somewhere. You can actually change the direction of this. I was also going to mention, like, you can actually left-click 
on the box and that will change these little grabbers so when they're arrows you can like scale it up and scale it down things like that and then if you left click it you can rotate this guy so this is very important one thing that i usually do is i take one of these circles right here and create an oval and let's go back and make the inner white and outside uh, black so now i'm going to layer this rectangle over my circle and select both of them i'm not sure i think it may be important which order you do this but you can go up to path and do difference and that will just like cut off that top area of that so then i can go back and add another circle in here and let's say set the fill to black and you can either turn the stroke off and just turn the stroke off like that so now i have like an eyeball uh, so what you can do now is select both of these and you can go up to group it may also be on the mouse uh, menu here so now i got these grouped together so whenever i click it you can move both of these together so one other nice thing you can do you can do edit i think edit and there's a duplicate in here somewhere yeah duplicate control d so now i have two eyeballs so now you can use this tool up here and you can flip oops don't want to do that <laughs> you can flip it using that one right here so now i have two eyeballs for like a character and then we can like make another circle uh leave the stroke as make the stroke black and then make the fill yellow <clears throat> So now we got a big yellow circle, but we can't see the eyeballs anymore. So what we can do is select that. And then you got these layer controls up here. So you can move this, the yellow circle all the way to the bottom. Not exactly sure where the, like the Z ordering data is located. There might be a way to manually change that. I'm not sure. Um, so then go in, you can make another circle, make the inner white make another rectangle and then select both of these <clears throat> and there's also other options in path like if you want to combine these two shapes together you can do a union i'm just going to do difference again so now you got like a little smiley face guy mm -hmm. which can be used as an enemy or player or something like that um so the next important thing here is if you want this actually as a as an image you select both of those you select everything and what i usually do you can come over here make sure your export png pane is open over here and you can say export as and you can just like pick a directory say temp and just call this nox game dev and just call this smiley.png. So this is one thing that always uh, trips me up. If you press save, that doesn't actually save anything. After you have that set, you actually gotta go in and press export. And that will export your image to a file. So if I bring up my file browser, go back to my temp directory, Temp Nox Game Dev. There's my smiley, smiley character right there. 
So yeah, that's just a quick overview of Inkscape, what you can do with that. You can create a whole character like that. Next thing I'm gonna bring up is Sprider Pro. <clears throat> and it may take a little while to open up. But yeah, basically Sprider Pro, it is a paid program. Um, but I got it from the uh, Steam store and their software library. Um, but it's a really nice tool if you have multiple pieces, uh, multiple sprites that compose a character. You can move those individual pieces around and make animations. You can make sprite sheets with them. Um, but yeah, it's pretty darn slow but yeah i was just going to bring up one of my older projects show how you can use brighter pro um, <clears throat> to create to create an animation oh here it is in the background so yeah this is brighter pro right here Let's see if i can open up my uh junk feed blaster game projects I don't uh, think you're screen sharing anymore. Oh, okay. Thanks, Dylan. <laughs> uh, share screen. Yeah, so this is Sprite or Pro right here. Surprise. Yeah, I'm not sure why this isn't coming up here, but I can do like a quick demo. File, new project. Okay. I think it wants me to select the root directory of my sprites. Projects, um, temp, <clears throat> and then let's go back to the Knox game dev, select. Okay, so I just used the uh, directory where I saved that sprite that I just created, so you can actually <laughs> drag this guy in here. You can use your mouse wheel to zoom out. Oops, Control Z. Scale this guy down a little bit. Um, so I'll need a couple of more pieces. Um, let me go down here. And this is just going to be a really quick, simple job. Uh, let's make the inner like red. So this can be an arm. Export as. <clears throat> Smith Temp and Nox GT, Nox Game Dev, and this will be arm.png. Save that, export, and then let's say do a leg right here, maybe make this blue. And hopefully I can just select that. And oh, it's going to change this every time. Hmm. Let's see. E. Smith. Temp. Knox. Game. Dev. Then have this as leg. PNG. Let's do one more. <clears throat> this is probably not going to look that great oh and by the way when you're in Inkscape you can select this node tool and you can actually like round out these corners <clears throat> like you can make a rounded rectangle like that and you can also play around with the vertices 
sometimes you got to change it to a path um, when you're playing around with the vertices. But uh, let's change this to body and export that. So now in Spriter, all of these sprites that I just created will show up here. So I can drag the body over here. I'm not sure why. I guess I forgot to um, save the leg there. It always gets me. <laughs> so let's do leg.png, then press export. So now our legs are here. So you can like drag the arms, like two different arms. And it's kind of like Spryder or, or yeah, like Inkscape where you can rotate and drag these around. Um, I wish I had my other project open because I could actually show how to do bones and things like that. But uh, yeah, you can rotate this around, like give them two legs. It's a very quick job right here. And scale this down, rotate that out, move that down. You can also play with the Z ordering, like I want to move the head over the body. You can move those around here. You probably want to have the legs behind the rest of the body down here. I think you can actually parent these two, but uh, use bones. But anyway, you got your timeline down here. You can change how many frames your animation is. So I think you can just uh, key all, key all your bones. Then you go like halfway out, maybe pull this one down, move his arms, rotate his arms up like that. Then like maybe do like a walk animation or something like that. Pull these, maybe he's jumping or something. So I'm gonna key all. <clears throat> then you can press play and then I'll start moving like that. So maybe that's like a little jump animation or something. Um, then once you're done animating, you can always go to file. I can save the project. Uh, go ahead. Uh, just call it jumping guy or something. You can also create multiple animations over here in this pane over here. But uh, just for a simple animation, you can export animation to PNG or GIF. Uh, I usually have to play around with this width and height because usually it creates the animation in some scale that I really don't want. But uh, let's just set this to 50 right here, then export. And let's put it in Nox Game Dev and just call this Jump Animation PNG. And, oh boy, this is going to take a little while. Um, so yeah, here, here it is. It's going through and creating an image for every single frame. You can <clears throat> reduce the number of frames in animation. <clears throat> and you can also specify, I forget what it was, but it's somewhere on that uh, export screen. You're going to have all these sprites exported into one image. So yeah, it's a pretty nice and nifty way to make an animation from uh, a few sprites. Um, I've had problems with like different parts of the animation overlapping, like sometimes the leg needs to go in front or behind. Um, I think, uh, yeah, you can do a sprite strip or sprite sheet 
and that will export it all. Do it 25. And say sheet, PNG, and yeah, here's sheet.png. So it's really small, but you can see you got all of those images all in one uh, PNG file now, which is kind of nice. You can take this and you can import this into um, Game Maker pretty easily. And also, I believe Unity also has a way to um, use. I haven't dealt too much with the Unity 2D stuff yet, but you can use it for that as well. Okay, so that's all I had. Uh, let's bring up the notes over here. Uh, I guess I'll go back around one more time. Hey, Amos, did you have anything else you wanted to share or talk about this month? Uh, yeah, I could actually talk about um, something else. Um, so I made my own music uh, for the game that I was demoing, and that was a first time for me. Mm -hmm. And I didn't know if you guys have ever heard of this program that I'm going to botch the pronunciation of terribly. Uh, but it's like Basco Seal. I've never used that one before. Okay. I usually I use GarageBand on my Mac. It's a little bit of a hassle trying to... Uh, transport the files from my Mac to my Windows PC. Uh, I know some people in our group use uh, FL Studio or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, I've, I've heard of that. Uh, this is um, uh, a free open source. Well, I, I don't know about open source. I kind of use those words interchangeably and I shouldn't. Yeah, me uh, But it, it's free software that you can download that lets you do kind of like um, almost sounds like 8-bit chip tuny uh, music, but they have a lot of different instruments that you can select from. Um, I believe you can hook up your own MIDI instruments, but I'm not rhythmically inclined, so I don't I don't really play instruments that much. Um, but you can you can make your own little uh, songs and tunes in this, um, and then arrange them out, modify them. Um, have you guys ever heard of Brackies? I haven't heard of that one. Uh, Brackies is a, is a, like this uh, company. Um, they do a lot of good tutorials on Unity and game development on YouTube, and they have an awesome tutorial. Um, I'll find the link and share it with you guys in a little bit. Okay. Um, that kind of taught me the basics of this. Mm -hmm. and, and so it was really fun to work with, and I was able to jam out something really quick uh, just to get you know like the mood setting right. I have used a program called PX Tone PT Collage. I think it's developed in Japan, which looks similar to this. The problem is, it's like by default in Japanese, so you have to download mm -hmm. an English pack. But uh, it looks kind of similar to this. Okay, and then uh, I also used to use. I think it's called BFX. Yeah, a lot of us use BFXR <laughs> yeah. for sound effects. Yeah, because yeah. there's like two different versions. FX. FXR or something, which was the original version, which was actually developed by a guy, and I think he goes by Dr. Predder, Petter. He developed it for Ludum Dar, and it just kind of took off from there. Okay, I, I didn't know the history behind that. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, the, I've used those two to make a... And then I also used my own voice for the first time to make sound effects, too. Threw those into Audacity and just played around with them. So yeah, but. yeah, I've done a lot of voice in my games, and yeah, Audacity, Audacity is another tool a lot of us use. It's very powerful for modifying like pitch and adding echoes and things like that. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds like you're ready for Little Minari. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah. uh, that's the one thing about it is like you got to create all of. If you do the 48 hour comp over again, you got to do everything on your own. Can't use any pre existing assets. So. That, that was actually something I had a question of. If you like make something yourself, like a package that is your own, can you import it? You can, but you got to make sure it's publicly accessible before okay. the competition. So gotcha. As long as you post it out on a website or something. And a lot of people like post a, what they call an I'm in post. Uh, you can just say, hey, I'm using this package that I already created in my game. I mean, we've had discussions about that too. It's like, well, can you just like create a whole game pretty much? <laughs> <laughs> That's like, very um, true. Yeah. So I don't know, but yeah, small packages, I mean, within reason uh, are always allowed. All right. So um, I have like these AGS. Uh, so I have a game development studio. I called a gamer studios and I developed like a bunch of fonts under there. Well, I didn't develop the fonts, but I grabbed a bunch of fonts and then like messed around with them. And then I have a splash screen uh, that I've already set up. And oh, I just track. Yeah, yeah. I think splash screens are definitely allowed. Uh, I think fonts are kind of like an exception. You can use fonts. Uh, that's like the one asset you can use. Uh, okay. But I know on the Ludumdari site, they have like a whole list of like what's acceptable and what's not. But there aren't any like Ludumdari cops. But I mean, if you blatantly like use assets that are already created for the combo mm. version, then people are going to scream about it. Yeah. yeah fonts <laughs> are definitely allowable. I've never heard anybody having an issue with using fonts. Okay, cool. Hey, Dylan, did you have anything else you wanted to show off this month or talk about? Nah. <laughs> okay. Pretty much done. <laughs> hey, Ruth Ann, anything else? Anything else going on in North Carolina? Well, I wanted to apologize for not turning my mic back off before. I'm sure you can hear that dog barking. Oh, yeah, we heard a little bit, but that's out. fine. That, that's you should call me out on that one. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Okay, so, uh, yeah, so we'll post up all of the information for everybody's sites. Uh, I know Dylan is DylanWolf.com. You can find him, DylanWolf, on Twitter. Um, Ruthann is Transeve on Itch.io. Uh, I'm LeviDSmith.com. GotechGrad on Itch.io and Twitter. So I guess that's going to wrap it up for September 2017 and we'll see everyone out there back in a month.